Welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thin. I'm here with my co-host Matt Sheehan. Matt, how are you doing today on this fine evening? Um, energy seems to be high. It's high in here. We got the strobe lights going. One problem, Justin, I don't know how to work this remote, so I'm going to try to get these lights uh, in the right direction here. Really, really screw the pooch on this one, but uh, hey, we're, we're going to... Oh, I think we just fixed it. Okay, there we go. We're rocking and rolling here. Wow. Um, hey, Justin, how are you doing over there? Was it a good signing day for you? Did, did you enjoy uh, today's labor that you had to do over at 24-7 Sports? Yeah, no, it's no complaints. Um, definitely knew everything that was coming today, including all of the walk-ons and um, no stress. Everything was good. Been uh, been a good few weeks for sure. Just kind of seeing who they're who they're refining down on as targets. Had uh, several guys up in the twenty twenty four class. Also had their junior day, so it was good content, good stuff to to cover there. And um, Eagles haven't let me down in a few weeks because they physically have been unable to. Let's and, go. Um, Thriving. High, but you know there is a predicament that I am dealing with, Matt. Please. And unfortunately, you can't help me with it because as skilled as you are in a variety of different ways, this is completely out of your scope. It's too nice um, of you. I have a run out of shows to watch. And Ooh. I think I'm going to have to lean on the chat to go ahead and yeah. – sorry, not the chat, but the comments – to go ahead and drop some recommendations. Um, yes, I'm fully aware that that also helps the algorithm, uh, but that is not why. Um, no. I am an individual that must be binge-watching a show at all times, even if it's background noise, um, as I'm doing work, as I'm doing okay. other things, perhaps even as I am on the on the treadmill or as I'm playing Xbox. So nice I need, flex. I need that. Nice. No, I, I don't believe that is a flex. Um, nice. I, I'm walking at a pace of two and a half most of the time on the treadmill. Um, but, but yeah, so definitely I'm desperate for any and all recommendations. Now, I do have rules. Can't be a periodic piece. Can't be something from like the 1920s. Okay. Cannot be something that has like dragons or mythical creatures in there. I know that's just me and my weird taste. Everyone loves those kind of shows. So I'll take that on the chin and, and consider myself an oddball there. Okay. Um, nothing sci-fi along those same reasons, you know, just need some realistic elements in there. Big fan of the police procedural slash kind of detective shows. Okay. Um, All right. I guess beyond that, I'll leave it open-ended. Enjoy a good comedy, but it has to be actually good. It can't just be like, oh, this is so funny, and then I'm on episode three, and I barely cracked a smile. So Friends isn't going to make the list then? Okay, Friends is okay. Yeah. I, I don't I don't mind a Friends. I, I think Man. I think society overhates on it, and I see you are one of the sheep that no. do that based on your facial expressions. They properly hate on it. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It, it's fun. I just have never come close to barely cracking a smile while I watch episode yeah. of Friends. That's all. I, I do think it was heavily, heavily carried by Chandler Ving, Matthew Perry, recipes. All right, one time for um, him. But right. yeah, but yeah, not to go on too much of a tangent, but that's no. really <laughs> heavily on me that I've I've seemed to have run out of all content. And you know, the more you think about it, is all the shows I watch, they've been produced over the years, right? But now I've watched everything in the history of the world. Yeah, and now yeah, I don't know how many more years I have to live, but right. I would like to think it's a lot. And what am I going to do now, Matt? If I go through like 20 shows a year and now I have no shows and I'm only 25, I don't know, dude. It's that's not good. Yeah. Not good to think about. You, you might How are you doing today, Matt? 
be better off becoming Amish over there. No, my only recommendation is just peruse the Andy HRCMB YouTube channel over and over mm. and over and over and over again until YouTube physically kicks you off their app. That's what I usually do. That's where my entertainment comes from. So, sounds like a plan. That's that. Um, Generational content maker right there. Oh, he a, a Spartan god. I'll throw that around loosely. Like that that man is not a man at all actually he he is immortal so yeah any interesting be one time for him um i guess we should talk about signing day we can do that yeah sounds good we'll squeeze that in not a lot of drama today not yeah. whatsoever however i do want to point this out and i'm going to go over to your website right now the fine folks at 24 7 sports because yeah jalen brown he commits not too long ago yes. this little diamond in the rough find there for jonathan smith is what us spartan folk are saying and are we saying that through our green stained glasses well uh, 24 7 sports is saying not really because he got a nice little ratings bump from you beautiful people over there 89. That's just about as high as you can get for a three-star. That is three-star bordering on four-star. And right now, as it stands, that's the third best recruit in Michigan State's class. This last-minute find by Jonathan Smith down there in Texas, right behind Nick Marsh, of course, the crown jewel of the class, and then Rustin Young out of Hawaii. Jalen Brown checking in as the third best recruit for this class. So Justin, you talked up and down about him when he was visiting after he right. committed and uh, you are, you are vindicated right now, man, because uh, he's getting the love from you guys. Yeah. I, I think the greatest thing to see about this is the fact that the, not only did the staff not necessarily need to leverage their prior connections to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Not only did they, which wouldn't have been a bad thing, but not only was it somebody in their backyard, right. That they stumbled upon, but they had the ability to go all the way down to Texas and find this kid where all the schools in that area seemingly missed him. Um, yep. And then there's thousands of miles of schools in between that also right. missed him. And not only did they quickly identify him, they offered him in January on January 17th. They quickly got him up here. They got him to commit. And I think the fact that they were able to do that out of regional familiarity and pull him in, I think it speaks wonders of their ability to finish classes at the end of cycles that was the number one biggest complaint that I had of the previous coaching staff. I think in a lot of ways, um, Tucker, Mel Tucker and his staff get a little too much hate in terms of painting with a broad stroke of a brush of just saying everything they did was bad. Right. Mm -hmm. I, th I think they're recruiting from let's say like February or March through June official visits was as good as probably any Michigan state coach that, that I can think of. But the kind of massive failures came from July to December. Yeah. And we'll see, I guess, how Smith is able to leverage Michigan State's increased kind of prestige and profile compared to what Oregon State had and how he hits on his plan A's and, and during Juno V's. But I have the utmost faith in him able to kind of find the guys right after their senior seasons that blew up, guys that are trending up at the right direction and kind of capitalizing on that late signing kind of scouting savvy period where kind of the real ball knowers in the industry differentiate themselves. And Jalen Brown is a perfect example of the staff's ability to capitalize in that way. Can I blend two topics together for yes, our next conversation? I will here? Allow it. Mike Sean Beeler out of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's going to be in that little Midwest mm -hmm. uh, radius that you want for Jonathan Smith. I think he even spoke about it. He wants to keep things five hour radius, really attack that and make that Michigan state's ground. I mean, that's not some groundbreaking recruiting strategy. Mark Antonio, of course, famously did that. Mel Tucker went a little away from it. So I do want to talk about that, Mike Schumbuehler's commitment, but mm -hmm. also Junior Day, because 
of course, all those kids that went to junior day, they're not going to get offers. It's like half yeah. see what prospects are out there, half networking. And boy, does Jonathan Smith need to network around the Midwest, a place he really has no ties to. Well, that said, like, this is going to be an emphasis is the regional recruiting. And I know that this is talking on both sides of our mouth here because, Hey, what do we not like about Mark D'Antonio's recruiting is that he was only regional for the most part. And then, well, Hey, what do we like about Mel Tucker is that, Hey, he was national. It was great, but also it was too national. There wasn't enough regionality there. So it, it is really trying to shoot that middle of the very, very tiny sliver of a Venn diagram of mm-hmm. having national recruiting, yeah. which will always be here in college football and in Michigan State because, well, Jonathan Smith, he has the Pacific Northwest and Pacific Coast ties. Mm-hmm. But, man, like you do need that regional flavor there because mm-hmm. I like what you just said. Mel Tucker, he did bring some good talent here. Okay, mm-hmm. Some position groups better than others, of course. Right. But in those early months, on those visits, that's that's what you're looking for, the top 400 kids. You know, it's great. And then, uh-oh, well, when they all go elsewhere, where's the plan B kids that are, like, ranked 400 right. to 800? Or, you know, your three stars at a regional. Oh, oh, you're telling me we ag- ignored all of them. We, right. we, we didn't put any emphasis on that. And then here we are, two classes ago, having 16 kids in the recruiting right. class. Actually, I'm sorry, that was last year's recruiting class, just 16 kids. Even going into this year, Justin – like before the whole scandal broke and everything, I think right. he had what not nine or ten kids going into the season. Like that's right. that's not a lot of kids going into a season. There are many right. uh, teams in the conference that were already north of twenty kids at that point. You get right. that with regionality. So like there is a way to do this down mm-hmm. the middle. It's hard, but it is important because hey, when you're striking on your plan A kids. The, the plan B is very important to fill a mm-hmm. class. I mean, so that's right. That's a long yeah. rambling way to run that conversation topic between Mike Schumpeler and Junior Day, but yeah. reality in recruiting is going to be important here. I definitely agree. And and you know, you can also blend the two strategies as one in terms of like Mel didn't even need to change anything about let's say their hit rate in June, right? Like I know they had all these mm-hmm. guys, the Terrence Greens of the world and Vic Burleys and, and all these guys that never came here. You can go ahead and miss on all those guys just like they did. You could only have your yeah. 13 or 14 commits in July. But then you start adding those kids that go to Iowa and Minnesota, um, maybe even steal a kid that was going out of region, maybe like a kid to Kentucky or an Auburn type. You can get an 18, 19 person class, even with the faulty, not faulty, I should say. It ended up playing out in a faulty way with some of the guys they had on campus. But you can do that exact strategy that Mel did. But then you've got to have the strategy that complements that in the following months without even having to change anything that he did in the early cycle. He did it. Um, don't necessarily know why, but I guess now the great thing to see about Smith is they did have all these guys here for junior day that you said, many of who won't get offers, but what happens is you ingratiate yourself with those high school coaches. Yeah. Let's say you don't offer some of these kids, right? Next year, two years, three years, six years from now, those, that coaching staff is still going to know these guys came here to Michigan state and they prioritized this state. And one of my average players years ago And they've always been about this state that pays Mm -hmm. dividends in the long run, or even just six, seven, eight, nine, ten months from now, some of those kids could be PWO kids, which we'll talk about their importance on the PWOs or in other cases, some of those kids right now may not be worth an offer, but let's say two, three of them blow up during their senior years. Now you have kind of gotten goodwill and relationships built with them in advance. And then others will get offers in the, in the near future. So no matter how you look at it, it was a great use of resources 
Also, you'll notice that there weren't a lot of national kids at the junior days, which is not to say they're not going to recruit those kids. It's because in early February, they're probably trying to kind of manage perception of maybe weather. Um, now, that's just me speculating. That's not something any of the staff members have said, but you can go ahead and get the kids that are willing to drive up here for free because you can't compensate on official visits to drive up here locally three, four, five, six hours up. They're okay with the weather. It's cheap trip for them. You get to knock all those areas out of the park. And then in April, in March, that's when you start to have the kids from further out span. And the weather is a little, weather is a little warmer. You get to spend more personal time with them instead of 50, 60 kids. So I love the plan of kind of starting February for the in-state kids, get an early read on them, have them come up when it's a little colder, they know the weather. And then March, April, June, you start to kind of spread the net. Um, with Beeler, yeah, that's definitely great to see how in-region in kid uh, from Simeon out in Chicago. Yep. And you're able to get a kid that – now, on his part, it was savvy thinking as well because – now, he had some really nice offers like Oregon and others. But, like, we kind of know, like, those probably were not committable offers, at least not by the end of the cycle in December. Mm -hmm. So he did have some other committable offers that were of, like, the Big Ten Power 5 level. But he necessarily wasn't really in love with any of those schools. So his calculated thinking was – all right, I could be like one of the few remaining fish in the pond if I don't sign in December. Let me see yeah. what offers come in in, in late December, early January. Exactly what happened there. And so he bet on himself a little bit. Michigan State liked what they saw, picked him up. But again, we want to talk about a little bit about like the fact that the junior day, right? As you were saying, 57 yeah. kids from the Midwest. Beeler, um, several other commits that they landed, Midwest kids. The complaint about Jonathan Smith and his staff back when everyone was putting together the hot boards was he's unfamiliar with the Midwest. And you and I didn't really have much worry with that. But at the same time, I'm not going to talk down on anyone that was concerned about that. Oh, of course. Yeah. To be honest, like that was probably the only flaw that you could come up with for Smith and the staff. So mm -hmm. you had to kind of come up with something that you were worried about. So you're not just kind of checking every box. <laughs> right. So with that said, the staff comes in here right away. Before they even land in Lansing, they have already started reaching out to kids and coaches in the Midwest. They have kept many of the Midwest recruits that were part of this part of the class in the class. They have built great connections with coaches that I've talked to in Ohio and Michigan and have rave reviews compared to what the previous staff did. They have landed PWOs from this state that the last staff wasn't even familiar with some of them. Right. They have like I said, hosted 57 kids from within the Midwest for junior day, if not more. And those are just kind of the ones that have FBS offers. Um, mm -hmm. There's probably like 20, 30 other kids that don't have offers yet from anybody that they also hosted. So they have put to rest any concerns about not having Midwest ties whatsoever. There is zero concern about that. Now we'll see like kind of who they land in June and stuff like that. But whatever happens in terms of the tangible results that are to come, it will not be because they did not have familiarity with the Midwest. They have made themselves more familiar with the Midwest in these last few months than I would say many of the staff members did from the previous staff in two, three, four years here. And that is a pipeline that needs to be open, just like we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes here, but specifically to the state of Ohio. Justin, like I looked this up today, um, not to keep piling on the guy that, you know, just got fired in shame, but uh, <laughs> Mel Tucker and his staff, they only got four kids from the state of Ohio, not just in this cycle, Justin. Oh no. The last four cycles combined. That's brutal. And two of them came from the same house. 
The Linieski brothers, like, so he only recruited from three Ohio households here. A.J. Kirk and Michael Gravely during that COVID class in 2021, 2022, no Ohio kids, 2023, no Ohio kids, and then 2024, the, the Linieskis. The state of Ohio is incredibly talent-rich. I mean, you don't even have to be like an in-depth recruiting fanatic to even know that, but here's some numbers to back that up. The top 1,000 players, if you just take all of them, okay, 40 come from the state of Ohio, only 17 from the state of Michigan. Look, hey, I love the state of Michigan. It's a great place to be. I've, I've been born and raised here, you know. But Ohio does have our number in high school football. So that is a pipeline that you need to hone in on much more so than the previous staff. So it is good to see Jonathan Smith make the strides there. Because, my God, it's Ohio. And just the last staff treated it like it was North Dakota for some reason. Just which would never bother in there. Oh, no, yeah. I just wanted to pile on a tiny bit more. Okay. Um, so as you said, the Linieski twins, same household, right? Counts as, yeah. counts as one. And that was mostly Coach Cap kind of pushing that. So the other thing, Michael Gravely Jr. was kind of put on a yeah. silver platter for for Mel because he he played for Ted Ginn Sr. Mel's kind of mentor in, gotcha. in the state of Ohio. Gotcha. A um, AJ Kirk put on a silver platter by for for one his own kind of I don't know necessarily what happened I don't want to speculate but he kind of fell out of the good graces of Ohio State. Uh, for okay. off the field reasons, and then two put on a silver platter by Mike Doss, who I think was mm. the half brother of AJ Kirk, who was on the national title winning Ohio State team when Mel Tucker was the DB's coach. There so, those go. now you don't want to hold relationships and connections against him, but again, like they didn't do anything outside of those relationships right. in terms of those two, and then the Lineski twins cap. You know, so like that was it. Like those were if you even dive deeper into the four they got, it's it makes it even less impressive and more jarring. You you just you just need to tap into Ohio. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. is a football blue blood. Again, it is is just three stars from Ohio the way to national prominence? No. Right. But just to wrap it all up with a thesis, like you do need those guys as kind of plan B-ish. Of course, mm -hmm. the coaching staff isn't gonna go out and say that, hey, these are plan B guys, but mm -hmm. Just, just between yeah. me, you, and the listener, Justin, like that, that's yeah. kind of where you make your hay on right. signing day. The, the, the right. shiny stars are great, but a backup plan, which is something that we haven't seen implemented by a coaching staff recruiting in the last right. few years, would be nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> some and, organizational standards, yeah. uh, Justin. Right. And, and I, I will admit that, like, when I dove into the state of Ohio in 2022, the kids ranked like 31, 33, like 35. They were going to like, Marshall. There was a gotcha. West Virginia kid here, Northwestern. So yeah. fair enough that they're not as that Ohio's not as good as it used to be under D'Antoni, right? But yeah, let's say the kid that's going like 26th or 23rd, you actually have to fight for them um because they're going to a little better school. At least get on those medals and lose them. Like <laughs> the fact sure. that they were not targeting them was kind of the biggest issue. Whereas, like, they didn't target those kids that were kind of Michigan State worthy. Even if you want to go ahead and agree that there were not as many Michigan State worthy kids in the state of Ohio during Mel Tucker's era. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Sounds good. Do we want to switch it up uh, to preferred walk-ons? The yes. PWOs. Um, Let's go Because, ahead and, again, yeah. it was kind of a sleepy day. Uh, you know, Jaden Walker, he flips to USC. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dimitri Nicholas, he goes to Maryland. You can do a lot yeah. of speculation around that, but if you just want to go right to the the PWOs, I'm more than yeah, happy to do, so. I, yeah. With, with Walker, um, it seems like promises were kind of made that I don't necessarily think line up with the evaluation, but it is gotcha. not my place or. Probably not him. even Jonathan Smith's place to kind of go ahead and say, "No, oh, you're being lied to by USC." So, um, obviously, wish the best for for Jaden. And um, yeah, and uh, in terms of Dimitri Nicholas, now there, there's not really a lot of tangible intel. Uh, Auburn's people were saying back in December that there were some academic issues there. Okay. I don't have any additional insight on that. Um, but the fact that um, I believe you kind of dove into it a little bit, he does not seem to have visited Maryland at any point, and that's where he ended up. So seemed yeah. more of like those were kind of not really his choices of turning down Auburn and Michigan State. But um, either way, it's good to see that he got into a Power 5 school, and hopefully he can make the most of it and uh, have a yeah. nice career. Yeah, I'm not a monster. I'm not yeah. going to be rooting against a kid. But, yeah, oh. it was <laughs> interesting that um, yeah. both rivals, 24-7 sports, they did not report a single visit to Maryland. His social media, because, yes, we just creeped that hard, and this is how in-depth I went. It didn't show Absolutely. any pictures from any Maryland visit. Some people call it creepy. I call it due diligence and hard mm-hmm. work, Justin. That's right. And I did read a story that he didn't make up his mind about Maryland until midnight, the night before signing day. It's like, okay, so we're <laughs> deciding to go somewhere. We've never visited midnight night of signing day i think that we are free to speculate that maybe this wasn't a two-way street <laughs> of wanting each other there um but again yeah. i i hope for nothing for the best except when yeah. or if michigan state ever plays maryland um then, yeah. then, then, then i hope he has a bad game just one right. bad game though so that's a demetrius uh dimitri nicholas um yeah stuff so right so matt diving into the walk-ons now wo's I will I will run through the list here, and um, I'm going to be referencing an article that my colleague at 24-7, Corey Robinson, who has been on an absolute heater the last uh, few weeks here with the articles he's been putting out. But yeah. the this is a draft that he's kind of worked up. Um, all of the PWOs that are going to be announced i think there's one where they're waiting on an official announcement from hence why it's a draft right now but the other seven or so on here have been announced so just going to run through all of them kind of give like um position and just stuff like that so martin connington uh he's going to be on scholarship after this first year kind of you know they didn't want to use two scholarships this year on kickers while jonathan kim is using one and he's the bona fide starter connington was okay with that um, so he's going to go ahead and be a PWO for this first year, going to be a scholarship kid in the future. Talked about him in previous episodes. He's the kid with the ultra get it out the mud kind of quote about how he loves yeah. the bad weather and the grass and all that. So don't need to dive much more into him, but very good kicker pickup for Michigan State there. Mason Nickel, he's a defensive tackle from Midland, Michigan, um, 6'2", 270. Uh, some good tape, some good bend, um, some good explosion and, and get off at the line. So obviously you'll take anyone at defensive tackle regardless, um, just from the fact that the last staff chose to kind of not consider that as part of their job description. <laughs> so we, yeah, we will see what happens there. But I think Nickel was a kid that was able to have some late interest from like Mac schools and things of that nature as well. So Anytime you can get a kid that is wanted at that level, you definitely would take him as a PWO at the Power 5 level. Carter Enyard, he's a linebacker from Missouri, so mm-hmm. not not just all kids from the backyard here. Right. Um, 
he is especially impressive because he has a three-star rating from 24-7. Shout out to Alex for not missing anybody. Um, he had offers from Kent State and UNLV um, and others in the FCS ranks as well. So very, very good PWL pickup right there in linebacker Carter Enyard from St. Louis. Um, you are also looking at Stone Chaney, a six foot six, 225 pound edge. Uh, he chose Michigan State over scholarship offers from yeah. Army, Navy, Toledo, and others. So, you know, you see those measurables, you see those offers, and you say, We'll have him as a PW on this program any day of the week. And Kyler Brunin. Now, here's a guy that I was talking to Alan True about him, and he likes him a good amount. As you see here, has him rated as an 84 on 24-7. Wow, okay. And he was saying that he would be one of the better signees in a MAC class, paraphrasing here. Um, so if you look at the fact that I guess like his offer seat doesn't really kind of go inside with that, but as you can see, Alan went ahead and stepped on a limb with the rating. So uh, he had an offer from CMU, from Penn, from Army, and Michigan State. But like if you're getting kids that at least in Allen's ball, no, or mine should be getting attention from all the Mac schools. Again, you'll absolutely take him. So six foot four, two seventy five, interior offensive lineman there, Kyler Brunin. I personally am with Allen. They're very excited about him as well as Carter Enyard. Uh, but continue down the list. Um, Jackson McKaig, he's from Canton. He's the running back with the measurables of a linebacker, a very good power back. Um, he chose Michigan State over scholarships from Marshall, Valpo, and Butler. Uh, Charlie Baker, he's more of a local guy, East Lansing High School. He yeah. kind of had uh, the measurables. Not necessarily sure how he kind of got lost in the mix in terms of offers. I personally thought that he'd have a good amount of MAC offers, but um, he'll be probably more refined once he gets in the weight room. Very skinny for a tight end, but. Yep. From the frame of being six foot five, you'd think that that wouldn't hold people back, but I guess it did. 55 catches, 916 receiving yards, seven total touchdowns as a senior. Uh, shout out to Corey for those stats. Easton Vox, he is interesting. Played eight man football. Love it. In Lenawee, at Lenawee Christian. And uh, we'll see how he adjusts to like the 11 man game, probably way more physicality and stuff like that. But uh, six five, six foot five, two twenty five, and Brian Wozniak, the tight ends coach, will get to get to work with a guy with great measurables there and kind of get him adjusted to this level of football. So we'll see how that goes. But again, like that's the kind of moldable putty you want to work with and and see what you can do with them. And uh, very exciting kind of class here, Matt. It's um, uh, also I forgot Chris uh, Pawarczyk. Um, he can definitely feel free to correct me. I will look into the pronunciation for the name as well. Um, six foot two, two twenty five from Fenton, Michigan. Uh, he committed a couple weeks ago. Um, his father played for Michigan State in the late eighties, early nineties, so he's a legacy there. Uh, wanted to go ahead and continue that path for the family and attend Michigan State. So, uh, gonna be good to see which one of these guys make that leap. Personally, Matt. And sorry to continue just going on a monologue here. No, please. The, the biggest thing that kind of I was looking at when looking at Smith's kind of track record going back, he was a former walk-on. Yes. He can look these yep. kids in the eye, these potential preferred walk-on people, and tell them, I know the value that you bring. And 
that's not just kind of used car salesman talk. He genuinely means it because he himself was a preferred walk-on. And look at where he is, record-setting quarterback at Oregon State even before the coaching world. So when these eight kids that I just went through and listed, when they hear Jonathan Smith tell them that I believe in your ability to become something because I was one of you, that's what leads you to have such a high-quality list of such a high number of kids. And PWOs don't have a great hit, right? You can look all across the country and – we can all name the three or four guys at our programs that did become something, but there's hundreds that don't. With that said, if your quality and quantity are both of a higher echelon when you're bringing these kids in, thanks to maybe Smith's background there, you're giving yourself a chance at a higher sort of um, hit rate. Also, let's say, what what does hit rate mean? You know, they don't need to become all big time. They don't need to become, right. I don't know, like the next Jack Conklin. What you need them to do is provide depth in extreme injury situations. You need them to provide competitive practices on a daily basis, which we will never see outside, but people inside the program will see. And if you can get some people to contribute on special teams, then that's great as well. And if two of these kids become like solid starters and land on scholarship or maybe even become all big 10 by the senior year, amazing. But if not, like, I think this is just a very sustainable way to build a healthy, deep program. And it's no secret that Jonathan Smith would see the value in, in people of the PWO variety. And you name all those PWOs, and we got every region in the lower peninsula dotted here, too. <laughs> like, all, all we're missing is someone from the UP, someone from, like, I don't know, Copper Harbor or Iron Mountain. But <laughs> I, I do want to just mention two names because you say that, yes. look, obviously all PWOs aren't going to become first-round draft picks, okay? Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're just looking for plus guys that can add depth, maybe even work their way into a two-deep one day. But two guys that catch my eye here, and it sounds like you're high definitely on one of these kids. The first one, Kyler Brunnen out of Traverse Mm -hmm. City. This goes back to a conversation we had with Coach Cap right here on this show. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really interesting we talked about going from high school offensive line to college, specifically the recruiting. Because, sure, of course, five stars will have more hit rates and all this and that. But of any position group, Nowhere is it a bigger crapshoot than the offensive line because you don't know how the kids are going to adjust to 20 more pounds, a new college weight program, because these are already big humans to begin with. They've already learned how to move in their bodies in high school. Yep. You add 20 more pounds of muscle, maybe even 30 pounds of muscle if, if you're going to get crazy. Like That could change how a guy plays drastically, for better or for worse. So really, you're getting a frame, and you're just praying to God something six. So with Kyler Brunnen at six foot four, two seventy five, also former Army commit, that's a Ooh. good frame to work with. Like that—that that is what we are talking about. And I, you know what, Justin? Let, let's say that it doesn't work on the offensive line immediately. Go right. talk to Ben Nelson. How about that? Now, if you know the name Ben Nelson, just from us saying it, you you are in the weeds of Michigan State football. This guy, he was a walk-on from Holland. Offensive line. Had to play some defensive tackle last year, though. So just at that frame alone, hey, Mm -hmm. you know what? We we could do something with that. Is he going to be Jack Conklin one day? No, probably not. But, hey, just along the lines of Jonathan Smith looking people in the face saying, hey, I'm a walk-on. I know what it takes. How about Coach M, Coach Maholchek? Hey, see that guy over there? That's Tanner Miller, former walk-on himself over at Oregon mm-hmm. State. So it's the proof is in the pudding, not just with Jonathan Smith and where he is today, but also guys that are actually on the team just right now, and you have a good offensive line prospect in Kyler Brunnen. The other one I won't be as long-winded on, Stone Chaney. I mean, six foot five again, skinny. I think you said 225. I am not for 215, but regardless, 
can tack on about 20 pounds of muscle. And I say yeah. that like it's so easy. So Stone, we're going to have to see you in the weight room here a little bit. But hey, I mean, that's a solid frame. And like you also mentioned, Army, Navy, CMU, Toledo offers. So yeah, this is a kid that did have some group of five offers that Hey, wants to just roll the dice and give it a shot here at Michigan State. So really do uh, appreciate what Jonathan Smith has done with the PWOs. I feel like, I, I, I don't know if this is just, I'm, I need you to confirm this for me. It, it seems like they're putting more of an emphasis on it this year, uh, whether it be they're just announcing them or that we're just, hey, seeing more guys with actual offers come here. I don't know. It's just, seen, or maybe, maybe I'm just that excited about the offseason where anything that happens, I'm just so fired up about Justin. But yeah, it just seems like there's a little more emphasis on PW. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that perception because, um, like in the past, like I think like maybe some of them got announced, but not all of them. And it was hard to figure out like the rhyme or reason at like what was determining yeah. that. And also, like it could go back to maybe one of the promises that Smith makes uh, to a PWO when he sits down with them, in addition to the fact that he will believe in them and he is the journey that they're looking to achieve, is also that we will treat you in terms of a public perception way, the same way that we would announce a scholarship signee. Um, That seems, I don't, again, that's not something I've heard, but that seems like a very fair and doable promise that is worth making as well. So um, I, I do agree that it does seem like there is more of a kind of a visibility now, now more so than before. And any loose end you want to tie up here from signing today before we get into the massive world changing scheduling news for Michigan State football, Justin? Anything? Uh, get your goat right now. I do not believe so. I think um, it's been it's been very eventful to kind of see all these junior day um, attendees file in, but not going to have much on anything in terms of their recruitments or which way they're leaning until a many of them still need to receive offers, and b the yeah. ones that do, they're still going to make their spring visits up here before they even think about committing and then potentially a June one. So stay tuned for the coverage on that. But um, yeah, it's, it'll be good to follow. And there's a lot of guys that there's the target board is wide and, and varied. So it'll be fun. Now let's talk actual games here because Louisiana, they, they left us. They were scared to come to East Lansing. That's right. Just cowering in fear of Jonathan Smith and the product that he will be putting on the field. So they said, we're not going to play the game. That left a vacancy, Justin, and we talked about this a few weeks ago when this happened, and I said, get the worst team that you could possibly find Alan Haller. I know some people said, oh, get Oregon State. That'll be fun. Or no, 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 no Power 5 teams or Mountain West teams, whatever they are now. Give me, like, Dowagiac High School for all I care. And Alan Haller understood the assignment because Prairie View A&M, Justin, do you know their nickname? Do you know what the Prairie View A&M football team goes by? You know, Matt, what I was thinking of doing before this episode was I was going to look it up and ask you this question. Oh, I didn't didn't look it up, though. And so now I now the turn the turntables, Matt, the turntables. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. You got this. So if you got they this. were, if they understood marketing, they might want to go on an alliteration. But then you don't know if that means you want to go off of the P, right? Off of the V, because that's closer yeah. to the mascot name. Do you want to go yeah. after the A? Do you want to go after the M? Sure. Because all those would sound good. Prairie View, it is, it is, it is one of them. Is an alliteration. It, it, it is. It is one of the four letters you just named. Oh, so. That's okay. There, there, there's your hint. Yep. There's not many names that I can think of off of a P that would be like mascot worthy. <laughs> um, other than maybe Panthers. 
Um, so if you're if you're looking at the letters, A is also probably not looking very likely. So the Aardvarks isn't uh, a guess of, of yours, no? Okay. Okay. Shoot. So now with V, now they're not going to be the Velociraptors. The vacuums? No. They know the, because Connor Stallions is future seven. He's got the market corner on that. That's right. Um, could could be the vipers but you don't really see that in in sports should should be more prevalent i would say yeah do you want another it's got to be off the m it's got to be off the m Ah, does it though does it Ah, doesn't sound like it is based on that reaction Or or did you already say it was it the Panthers? It was the Panthers, Justin. You nailed it. Look at you. Look at Justin go. The Prairie View AM Panthers. Yes. I promise I didn't look it up. No. Hey, oh, I, you, if you did look it up, you sold it well enough where no one believes you. Um, <laughs> coming off a six and six season. Now, you might say, hey, well, that, that's not the one and 11 Delaware State, whatever nickname they are that you Blue heads, Matt. Ago. Come on, Joe Fox. No, that, no, that's real Delaware. No, Delaware State is like oh, the, my bad, my bad, my bad, like the blue jackets or something yeah, like yeah, that. Whatever. Bad. Anyway, Preview AM, they played a Power Five team last year. They played the SMU Mustangs. Mm. How did that go for Prairie View? Did you have a, do you used to have a guess as to what that final score was? Justin? I do, but now I'm paranoid that if I guess this right, people are definitely going to think that I'm just I'm lying about not. Come off as a ball knower, just come off as a ball knower. You got right. this. Um, sixty-two to six. Too respectable to Prairie View A and M. It was a nice sixty-nine to zero. So that's what we've got coming into East Lansing. So, yeah, I wanted bloodshed for this game that's sandwiched between the at-Maryland game and the at-Boston College game. We don't need any team that's going to make us sweat even a little bit. And now that I'm saying this out loud, of course we're going to win in triple overtime. Like, it's going to be a horrible (laughs) game. But on paper, this looks like the kind of game that you schedule when you're in a pinch and you just need a chip shot to get through your two road games in September. So, Alan Haller... Well done. Never doubted you. Like, we always knew that you would have this, but yeah, you have that on yourself. Prairie View AM, because I went to go see their schedule. Like, oh, hey, I wonder who we had to pull them away from. Maybe they had someone else scheduled. We're just their six game schedule next year. So <laughs> if Alan has any free time and he wants to just take up scheduling the other six games for Prairie View right now as a passion project, uh, by all means, go for it, Alan, because they. <laughs> They could use some help there. Um, so, yeah, Prairie View A&M is your week three game. Well done, Alan Haller. Now yeah, time to look up I, what Delaware State's nickname is. Hold on. I am just I'm, – I'm very glad to see that we'll be able to see kind of what Alessio Milivojevic um, yes. and, yes. and and, and Tommy kind of Schuster in the yeah, lab. Yes. Exactly. Getting Tommy <laughs> Schuster, getting the ability to put McComb on the map uh, to a greater extent. So, yeah. Um, It'll just be it'll be fun to see kind of how that goes. Ideally, you're thinking that even before they get to that game, you've seen enough excitement and promise to the point where you don't necessarily need the 48 point win over Prairie View to be what gets you excited. Ideally, yeah. but it sure doesn't hurt to see a team wearing green and white that that you root for destroy somebody, anybody at any given point, regardless of what you've seen before oh, yeah. or what you'll see after. So, um, yeah, it'll also you know, with with Childs kind of having as guaranteed of a starting spot as you could ever probably hope for, there's not yep. going to be many chances to see the guys behind him, and that's the number one thing that I'll be looking for there. And hey, some of these walk-ons it might be too early for the true freshman, but like more of the Ben Nichols varieties, and 
um, Andy Hartman's yep. of the world and, and the walk-ons that have been here the last few years, it'll be good to kind of see them get their opportunity in that game, ideally. But if it's a three-overtime win, then then all that goes out the window. And I guess people could come back and clip this up that we took it for granted, but I feel like there's going to be way more um, receipts that they could pull that would be even more <laughs> more impressive than this at that point. The, the greater Shelby Township area wants to see Tommy Schuster, the prodigal son, cook for one full quarter on a September afternoon. <laughs> and they want it to be done against those Panthers of Prairie View A&M. So, um, yeah, no, it's a nice, nice little HBCU. Now, Prairie uh, View is in Texas, right? I'm almost positive. I clicked off their uh, – no, my God, actually right in front of me. Yep, that would be Prairie View, Texas. Yep. Now, okay. the only reason I've heard of Prairie View A&M is I feel like – once Hoops, every right? yeah, like once every Olympic cycle, like they're the 16 seed sacrificial lamb against actually they're not even like the 16 seed against a one seed, like they're always in that play-in 16 seed game. So like <laughs> the only reason I've ever heard of Prairie View AM in my entire life is just from yeah, like the, the first four games yeah. over in Dayton, uh yeah. where the 16 versus 16. So yeah, good on you, Prairie View. Go Those... go get that cheddar. I hope we're giving them a nice check. I'm sure we are. Yeah. But yeah. Those battles against William and Mary, real hoops. Real Dayton. certified hoops, man. <laughs> I gotta get to Dayton one of these years. Like, I would love to go to the first four. Just want to, not to see, ideally, not to see Michigan State. Like, I'm not saying, like, no, it'd be cool to see the Spartans down there. No, it'd be miserable to see MSU playing one of those again. That we might have to this year. We, uh, but still, can, I think that'd be a fun trip to do. Matt, you and I can go in two years when Michigan's rebuild has them in Dayton. <laughs> yes, on the on the way up. When uh, NATO has met the mountaintop of a first four game, uh, that's right. Not say right. No, honestly, I I was not upset to see Wisconsin lose to Michigan because, like, look, it's not going to propel them to the NIT and certainly not the NCAA tournament. But is that a notch for Juwan Howard? Can he say like, "Hey, guys, bring me back for another year"? Which please do, please do. I yeah. would be delighted. If Ward Manuel is still the AD this offseason, Juwan will be back. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Keep talking to me. Let's. We better sweep Lifetime them this country. year. I will say that. Like to to wipe the smile off my face. Uh, we we better sweep them this year. And if we lose next Saturday at Chrysler, um, I don't know if you're gonna have a co-host here, JC. <laughs> <laughs> I I might just be moved full time into Tanzania, just doing whatever people do for work out there. <laughs> Certainly isn't sports podcasting. So, yeah. Coffee bean industry is getting a great one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will work relentlessly out there. Don't don't get it twisted. You will keep chopping. I will certainly keep chopping those coffee beans down. You got that right. Is there anything else, Matt, that we would like to discuss other than certainly. the Prairie Views? Uh, unfortunately, I'm, keep, I'm keeping at the football this episode. I'm yeah. keeping at the football. Hey, uh, you know, no big weekend for hockey coming up. Duel in the yes. D on Saturday. They play in Ann Arbor on Friday. But hey, what is best about the Saturday game? If you can't go, it's actually on Analog Big Ten Network. This isn't on some ridiculous streaming app where it's just some guy in Section 217 holding the shaky iPhone and the student next to him just giving play-by-play analysis. Like, no, this is going to be on actual Big Ten Network. So if you're not at Little Caesars Arena, you can still watch 830 on Big yeah. Ten Network. So And I believe, on. Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. I believe the Michigan State women's gymnastics team sweep, swept Michigan earlier Get this past directly at it in front so, of the sold out chrysler reports yeah, have it yeah. so uh multiple right. perfect scores as well and uh my knowledge of gymnastics ends at those few sentences there to be honest i will not pretend yeah. that i'm a i'm a ball knower of gymnastics but what i will say is seems like from people that do follow it these are some impressive feats and the program has quickly gotten to a place where they're first in the big 10 so definitely wanted to shout out the success yeah. of that program for sure mike rowe the, the coach of gymnastics yeah, is Rowe. a 
rock star. Like, like I, I was lucky enough to talk to him for, for a good amount of time last offseason, and he is mm-hmm. the perfect blend of, like, okay, you could completely understand why people commit to this guy. Like, right. he's fun to talk to. He's very charismatic, but also just no-nonsense competitive dog. Yeah. So, like, th- that is – yeah. Got, like he's everything you want in a coach. I don't know much about gymnastics, quite frankly, honestly. Right. I don't know how you achieve a perfect score. Right. But I know what people gravitate to when it comes to coaching, and Micro yeah. has it. And well, he's got the team either borderline top 10 or just straight up in the top 10 now. Yeah. Kind of seems to be a similar theme with like some of the other hires. Like I, we talked to Jeff Hostler last year, and he had the exact yeah. same description that I would say that you just did. I haven't talked to Coach Robin Fralick of women's basketball, but that seems to be the description that others give of her. Um, Jonathan Smith, it's, um, I don't know, like if charismatic's the word that I've heard, but like genuine, honest, transparent, someone that you definitely believe in wholeheartedly, but then also not someone that's going to coddle you and baby you. So like that blend seems to be what Alan Haller has kind of perfected in his people that he's hired is. They're like people that you genuinely want to play for for a variety of different yeah. ways, but also not people that are going to baby you and you don't want to play for them just because they'll take it easy. So seems like all the programs kind of revenue, like non-revenue and revenue sports kind of have have coaches like that now at Michigan State. And seems like Haller, I don't know exactly which ones he's hired out of all the programs that are thriving right now, but most of those names that I've mentioned were hit were his hire. So seems yeah. to be doing a great job. No, thank you, Alan. And I know that he doesn't miss an episode of SD4, especially <laughs> especially minute number 46 of an episode, too. I know he listens to every single word of every single episode. So, Alan, I know you're listening. Thanks, man. We love you. You're the yeah. best. So and, and in that case, Alan, you got to find better hobbies. So please, please find <laughs> something else to listen to and watch. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, well, we did it, Justin. We, we we changed lives, we changed hearts, we changed minds, and we told people about preferred walk-ons. Like, yes. we, we just get down to the nitty-gritty here, man. Let's let's go. Yes. Let's go. For myself, for Matt Sheehan, and for Kyla Brunin, we thank you for watching this week's episode of the SD Frost Show. Make sure to like and subscribe. Make sure to leave a five-star review on your audio streaming platform of choice. And please do give me some suggestions on what I should binge watch next and finish in a span of three days. Uh, Appreciate everyone for listening and have a good night.